0: Welcome to The Inbrooded Podcast, the landowner podcast to empower you with inspiration, new perspectives, and quick tips for your forest management and land ownership journey. Today, we are going to be talking about the comparison game. You know, where you're looking at your neighbor's forest and thinking, why isn't my forest looking like that yet? Or you hear your cousin Joe talking about all the profitable success he's having or all the big deer that he has hunted on his land this year. We're talking about how you look at perhaps your husband or your father and think, I will never be as good of a landowner as they are. I will never manage the best way I can because I'm not like them. So, as I referenced plenty of times, and I'm pretty sure I just referenced in this last podcast, I have three kids under the age of five, which means we watch a lot of cartoons. Specifically, we watch a lot of Pixar and Disney cartoons. And my kids specifically are obsessed with Monsters, Inc. Both of them. The original Monsters, Inc. that I grew up on, as well as the newer one, Monsters University, that came out in, oh, I don't know, maybe 2012, 2013, somewhere in those later years, about 12 years later after the first one. So, if you're not familiar with Monsters, Inc., here's the quick recap. Essentially, they are in this Monsters world and they scare kids for their living, for their livelihood. They have to scare kids to support their entire power infrastructure in this world and i'm going to be referencing monsters university today specifically so monsters university is actually a prequel to monsters inc so it tells the story of mike and Soli, who are our main characters Sulley is a very large scary looking blue and purple monster and he comes from a legacy of monster scarers and being a quote unquote scarer in this world is the top of the top it is like the celebrities the esteemed career that you can get into And then there is Mike, little Mike Wazowski. He's basically a green beach ball, essentially. And that's how he's often referenced, actually, in this movie a lot. He goes to the scarer world, the scarer, um company when he is in like the first grade going on a field trip he sees scares for the first time he actually breaks a lot of rules and sneaks into to actually see the scaring firsthand and decides at that moment he is going to be a scarer when he grows up so he goes to the best university and wants to enroll into this scaring program. Uh, Long story short, Mike and Sully get into a lot of beef because they are complete opposites. They cause a lot of trouble and they actually both get kicked out of the scarer program and basically ruining their lives. Sully has ruined his legacy of being a scarer because he is the best and he just relies on that legacy to take him through life. And Mike is absolutely devastated because this is the only thing he's ever wanted in life. In Monsters University again there is a chance of these scare games where all the Greek um the Greek houses, I guess you could say band together and they participate in these scare games to show who is the best. And so Mike decides he's going to get the underdogs, the, the, the Greek house that nobody respects because they're kind of the losers in the entire system. They're all the scares who never made it as scares, And so now are majoring things like sales and philosophy and art and dance and, and all these other areas that they never really wanted to do, but they were told they weren't good enough and got kicked out of the program. So Mike bands all these people together. There's one scene about halfway through where they're doing okay in the games, mostly through trial and error and a lot of luck. They're just kind of stumbling through, but they are actually making it through and beating out other monsters. But then they get made fun of. Um, all the other Greek houses kind of band together and humiliate this these underdogs. And Sully is absolutely enraged. He's like, "You're never gonna make these monster scares because they are not. They you can't make something that they're not out of." And Mike is still one hundred percent in. He's saying, "We can do this. You know, if we just stick together, we need to try harder. We need to keep on trying." And then one of the other bully monsters comes in and says, you're never going to be a real scarer because you don't look like us. And that sparks something in Mike. He remembers his field trip back in the first grade. And the story isn't actually short, I'm just now realizing that. But stick with me, okay? I promise I have a point. And I'm just trying to give this background, because if you've never seen this movie, you're going to have no idea what I'm talking about. So I'm really trying to paint the picture for you. So Mike takes his underdog, Houses of Monsters, And um, I'm actually gonna be writing a blog article. So if you wanna see some visuals with this, check out Thursday's blog article. It's gonna be in our newsletter, it's gonna be posted, and you can get a little bit more visuals. But uh, back to the story, Mike takes these monsters to Monsters, Inc. universe, Monsters, Inc. He's taking them to the career place where the top scarers are. They break in illegally, they're looking through this window, and he asks his friends, which they really aren't friends at this point, but he asks his friends, what do they all have in common? What do all these scares, these professional scares, these people they have admired for years, these people who are their role models, these people who they want to become, what do they all have in common? And the other folks are all looking through the window and they're trying to figure out what's the common denominator. And they realize they don't have anything in common. And they say that, "Um, I don't see anything. And Mike says, exactly. They all use their own strengths for their benefit they use what makes them different as a strength they use that within their own skill set and then that's of course the lightning moment you know the light bulb goes off for all of them that they can do this they just need to stop pretending to be something else pretending to be something they're not and really step into their own skills and strengths and if this doesn't i mean i've been talking about monsters but i have another reference for you In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to be reading um, verses 12 through um, probably 26 or 27. So again, stay with me here. There is one body, but it has many parts, but all its many parts make up one body. It is the same with Christ. We were all baptized by Holy Spirit, and so we are formed into one body. It didn't matter whether we were Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free people. We were all given the same spirit to drink. So the body is not made up of just one part. It has many parts. Suppose the foot says, I am not a hand, so I do not belong to the body. By saying this, it cannot stop being part of the body. And suppose the ear say, I am not an eye, so I don't belong to the body. By saying this, it cannot stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, how could it hear? If the whole body were an ear, how could it smell? God has placed each part in the body just as he wanted it to be. If all the parts were the same, how could there be a body? As it is, there are many parts, but there is only one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, it is just the opposite. The parts of the body that seem to be the weaker are the ones we can't do without. The parts that we think are less important, we treat with with special honor. The private parts aren't shown but they are treated with special care. The parts that can be shown don't need special care, but God has put together all the parts of the body and has given more honor to the parts that didn't have any. In that way, the parts of the body will not take sides. All of them will take care of one another. If one part suffers, each part suffers with it. If one part is honored, each part shares in its joy. You are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. In both of these examples, we see how there are many differences. Everyone has their own strengths. Everyone has their own weaknesses, but we must work together. And so it is the same with you as a landowner. When you are managing your property, you cannot look at your neighbors or even say the private industries and say, I can never do that because I am just me. I have only 20 acres. What can I do to actually make this a difference? You cannot also look at your father and say, I will never be as good as a landowner as them because I don't have the forestry background. I never went to school for this. I am a nurse. I am a teacher. I can't make these management decisions because I'm not as good as them. And it is the opposite. You both work together and bring something to the table in regards to your family forest and your family forest brings something to the forest as a whole, to the forestry landscape and within the industry as well as the ecosystem diversity and benefits that we are all providing. Let me read to you again. God has placed each part in the body just as he wanted it to be. If all the parts were the same, how could there be a body? We all need to use our own strengths, what you may be perceiving as weakness at this point in time for the benefit. Maybe you don't have a background in forestry. Maybe you've never really been out to your own land in 10 years. Maybe it's been more than a decade since you visited the property. Maybe you have never been a part of the decisions or even seen what the plans are for your land. But that does not mean you are ill-equipped. Maybe you have bottomland hardwoods and you're comparing it to a pine plantation. I will never be able to have that sustainable income flow as the rainiers have in the land or the warehousers. I would never be able to create something like that. And that is not the case. We don't need to look at what the top scares are like and say, we can't be a scared to because we are not like them. We don't look like them. Rather, we need to look in the mirror and say, what do we bring to the table and how can we approach this? Because your ideas are just as valid. Maybe your dad has always done the traditional regimes. He planted lob holly at a 7 by 10 spacing for 726 trees per acre. He thinned exactly by age 14, 15. He clear cut at exactly age 25 and reset and restarted. And perhaps you're looking at a different approach. Maybe instead of doing large clear cuts of 100 to 200 acre sizes, you're looking at perhaps doing 40, 50 acre, you know, selective cuttings. Maybe you're looking at more uneven age management. Maybe you are looking at different approaches to get income streams. Maybe you're looking at, maybe I can do some bird watching and grow this bird watching group and get a annual lease from them as well as hunters. Maybe you're looking at this new carbon market for however it may end up playing and say, how can I balance that with my desire to have sustainable profit? Understanding I do need to do timber harvesting, so how do I play both of these at the same time? And how do both of these meet my goals? Or whatever my goals are, whether it is for retirement funding, for a consistent stream of retirement funding, or maybe it is a one bang that we are gonna get our income and um, invest it into different mutual funds and slowly drip our funding from there. Perhaps you're looking at, I need a particular amount by age 18, by year 18, so I can support my kids or my grandkids going to whatever type of college or technical school that they wanna pursue. Maybe you are just looking to create enough income that your family can go on vacation every few years. You can take them to a four day weekend to the beach and get that condo on the water so you don't have to drive to the beach. Maybe you're just looking to be able to support and pay property taxes while enhancing different wildlife values out there, increasing the pollinator habitat, really creating this nature retreat aesthetics. None of these are better than the other. They're all just different. They're different in how you might approach your management. They are different in what role they do play in the grand scheme of things. If all of the forests in Georgia follow that very strict silvicultural regime for top income, quote unquote, production of 726 trees per acre of loboli pine, thinning at age 15, and clear cutting at age 25. How much diversity would we lose? How much would we actually lose in the grand scheme of the landscape? But thankfully God of course has a better plan for us and that's why everything is not the same. We have hardwoods, we have streams, we have bottomlands, we have wetland depressions, we have different types of pines. We have pines for the mountains and pines for the savanna landscapes of the quails. We have all of this different diversity that must be treated differently and sometimes, it takes a different mindset for us to think within, for us to be able to pursue and manage that differently. But how often when we first get into this role? It's easy for me to say, yes, just do all this. But when you first get into your landowner role, perhaps you've just inherited or you're on the brink of looking at, I'm gonna be inheriting this piece of property a few years down the line. And it can feel scary and overwhelming and you may feel like you're doing all the wrong things. You may be concerned and worried about taking the exact right steps and I've already told you I think it's in episode three or four I'm not a hundred percent sure about why you're receiving different pieces of advice from foresters because we all look at things differently and forestry and in forestry managing forests is the term civil culture the art and science and with art It is very subjective. It's subjective based on your experience and just based on your own personal taste. And so let me encourage you that there is no wrong step necessarily. Okay, there's a few wrong steps. Don't do anything illegal, follow best management practices and follow what your land type can actually support. Well, Danielle, I don't don't know what that is. Well, that's what your resources are there for. You don't have to be a forester to work with a forester. You don't have to have all of that same background, that education, those years of experience managing forests to find the right resource to work together with you. You don't have to actually do all of that work by yourself, and I don't want you to. I don't want you to encourage you. All I want is for you to feel comfortable and confident enough to voice your opinion, to understand what is being shared with you, to understand that advice and those recommendations and those plans that are being shared with you, to know if this is going to help you get on the right path. Is this a red flag that maybe you need to turn your back and find somebody else to work with? Or is this a good plan, but you know, Maybe it just isn't a good plan for you right now. The more you know, the more comfortable you are with the jargon, with the information, with understanding what you have, with understanding what you want by articulating where you want this vision to go. Since land management, really, there is no finish line. When it comes to it, it's going to keep growing. Your land is going to continue evolving and it's always going to need some type of management tools, some type of management operations. You're always going to have to be doing something. And that's just the fact of it. But that's also a blessing because that means if you made a small mistake here, you can fix it later. You can adjust later. It's always going to need work. And so by that, say everything you've done up until this point was great but you're ready for a new direction. You're ready for a change. You can change. Let me encourage you that just because you have always done something one way doesn't mean you can't approach it a different way. Now your forester. Foresters are great. We love working in the woods. And honestly, we became foresters to work in the woods. We want to be in the woods. We love the trees. We love the the habitat out there. We just love everything outdoors. And that's why we became foresters. And then when it comes to it, we find out we actually have to deal with people way more often than what... Uh, what we were initially led to believe, not by anybody, we made this whole fantasy up in our head that if we pursue forestry, we won't have to deal with people as much because dealing with people is hard. Communicating is hard. Sharing information is hard. And that is why maybe you are are struggling a little bit with your forest resources or with your foresters because you're trying to ask a question that you don't really know how to ask and they're trying to share something that is very technical and they don't know how to necessarily break it down for you because they think they're answering your question. And in reality, they're not. And you both are just constantly bypassing each other in the middle of the night. But we started this podcast talking about the comparison game. And so if you're on the brink, and I this is where I was attempting to go into before I got a little sidetracked with my little, um, you know, rabbit spiel right there. But if you're on the brink of inheritance, or you just inheriting and you're fearing. Feeling very ill equipped. You go to a workshop and you realize you're the only one that looks like you in that room and that everybody knows each other already. If you go to a conference and again realize, you know, a lot of foresters have been in this game for a while, they know each other quite often. They'll talk about sports and their kids and maybe some family vacation they've done. They'll talk about that deer hunting trip. Um, And maybe you're feeling a little out of place. Let me encourage you. You're not out of place. You don't need to compare yourself where you're at now to folks that have been in the game for decades. When they first got in, they felt exactly like you are now. You don't need to say, I don't belong here because I don't look like them. You do belong here. And Monsters University says you belong here. So if Pixar says, then obviously it's right. But if you don't put much weight into what Pixar's themes are, which you know sometimes I get, But for specifically Monsters University, if you're not putting much weight onto little Mike Wazowski's wise words, look in in the Bible. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27 again. Let that resonate on you. And if that's not inspiring to you, I don't know what else will be. Because I know I often, in various places, in various different areas, will feel out of place that I am not the right person, that I should not be here because I don't think the same way they do. I don't look and approach and want to do these different, whatever it may be, fill in the blank, the same way. Doesn't mean I'm not just as important. Verse 22. Well, let's take a step back. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, it is just the opposite. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are the ones we cannot do without. And that is probably one of the most encouraging lines to me because honestly, I've always felt like the, you know, just one is like the pinky toe. If you've ever broken your pinky toe, you know how much of a pain in the butt it is to not have your pinky toe working effectively. Because how often, When something's not there, do we finally realize what they brought to the table? And I'm here to tell you that you have a lot to bring to the table, that you and your ideas, whether you feel like you're the right fit, whether you feel a little awkward, perhaps, stepping into this role, you belong in this role. And just because you look and think differently doesn't make it wrong. And so I'm really curious for those of y'all that are listening and have been listening. Shoot me an email. I really want to know what part of the body do you think you are? What what part would you resonate with? Are you the eyes? Are you the nose? Are you the thumbs? The pinky toes? Are you the spleen perhaps? You know, what what part do you kind of resonate with a little bit more? And or how have you been approaching your land management? What has been one of your concerns when trying to figure out is this the right role? Have you been feeling like you, you're you not going to do good in this job because you don't look like other monsters? Shoot me an email, landandladies at gmail.com. I really do want to hear from you. And if, of course, if you've enjoyed this podcast, continue listening, make sure you subscribe. We will send these podcast out to you straight to your email to make sure that you don't miss a beat. And additionally, I would also say if you've really loved how we've been incorporating scripture with land ownership lessons and management and getting that additional motivation and encouragement, you should subscribe to Monday Motivations where every Monday I take a piece of scripture and provide to you motivational messages based in land ownership and management. So it's really similar to this podcast, but much shorter and it's delivered every Monday to help you set the tone for the week week on the right foot. Don't forget to share with your friends and family. And if you're enjoying this, give us a shout out on on social media. Don't forget to tag us at Landed Ladies. And until next week.